Hello and welcome to another edition of Spotlight on Natural Resources. Here with me today is uh, Peggy Doty, and Peggy is an educator with Natural Resources, Environment, and Energy. How are you doing today there, Peggy? Great. Thanks, Gavin. How are you? I'm doing all right. You know, it's a little cold here, but, you know, we're hanging in there. <laughs> it's snowing in northern Illinois, finally. <laughs> oh, man. Some snow is always always a good thing, in my opinion. No ice, just snow. Right. I agree. I'm with you. Uh, so today's topic, we're going to be talking about maple syruping in Illinois here. So how long have people been tapping sugar maple trees for syrup? So I got, I fell into a, a, a rabbit hole on this topic. It was big. And I searched and searched because I realized a lot of the stated information and stories, how it became, it were not, I couldn't find the resources. Nobody had a resource cited, but what I did find was that in 1557, so the earliest thing I found was in 1550, a French explorer um, made record that we had, uh, he was a, he, he traveled in the 16th century a lot, um, Andre Thevet, I don't know how to pronounce his name in French with a French sound, but that's what it looks like to me. And he described the sweet sap of maple trees in a, in a book. He didn't say anything about how it came to be. And that was in, well, that was in 57, but there was a different French explorer that noted they existed in 1550. But again, how did it just said describe the sweet sap? That doesn't mean he tapped the tree because if you break a maple tree in the spring, like a twig or a deer came by and browsed it and bit it, they'll drip like a little faucet. He may have seen the dripping and I'm a little thirsty or I'm, my mouth is dry. Wait a minute. All these little branches are, they aren't, you know, we sap water is not sugar, but it does have a slipperiness to it. And a hint of something different than just water, of course, back then, water scooped out of a creek or river. So the earliest um, written account were in you know, 16th, but the 17th century, they described um, collecting and distillation. They quoted, you know, I quote distillation um, by some of the Native Americans. So, you know, 15, 1600, somewhere in there, things started to get going toward the eventual you know, harvesting of, of maple sap for maple syrup. That is, that is really interesting. I did not know that, uh, you know, it, it kind of started that way. Yeah. Um, so very it, interesting. It leads you to believe that they were tapping if, cause you're excited. And I'm like, wait, they're not saying that they're just saying they became aware that there was a sugariness to maple trees, probably not identified as the sugar maples yet. So so where do sugar maples grow and is that a different species than some what other folks have as maple trees in their yards? Yeah. Yeah. So there's lots of different maple species and they grow according to their climate needs, you know, like, you know, from down, you get, we have maple trees cleared in, in the United States, clear into Florida, but the maple sugar band actually is kind of interesting because for us, it goes down as far as Missouri, a little bit into Tennessee, all the way north into um, the Ontario and parts of just the bottom parts of Canada over toward uh, into Nova Scotia. 
But the interesting thing is if you look at the globe and you can find I and you can and you can look around that band as you look around the globe, there are there are sugar maples, the ones that have the highest content of sugar in their sap. You can tap any tree and there's going to be sap water. You can tap any maple species. I got some of my best syrup out of my silver maples here in my yard. However, the concentration of the sugar is the highest in maple in the maple, uh, sugar maples. So what that means is you're going to spend a little less labor intensive time getting your syrup from a sugar maple than you would from the diluted, the more diluted other maples. But the countries, um, according to world's top export data, I found the 2021 data, Canada, these are countries that have maple, sugar maples that actually do harvest for, re, you know, for sale. Canada, United States are, of course, the top. Netherlands, Denmark, Germany, France, United Kingdom, Sweden, Belgium, the Czech Republic, India, Hungary, Australia, Italy, and even Turkey. Isn't that crazy? But if you think about the climate and as you go around, I have an AFS daughter in Italy. Her weather is always like ours. <laughs> it's that, oh. you know, because of where she's located, you know, um, when you look at the uh, the globe, you know, that band around the globe. So all of these countries I just listed did have in 2021, some amount, not, you know, clear down to the smallest amount, which was Turkey at 0.06% um, of uh, maple syrup export. These are export countries too. So um, that was pretty exciting to find. That, okay. That is, that is a really fascinating I totally uh, piece of out. information that was that is very interesting um mm -hmm. very cool wow i i did not uh did not realize that <laughs> it's ridiculous but it was fun <laughs> so uh how much maple syrup is produced in north america so canada is the highest and then along with the United States. So Canada for 2021 did $471.6 million in exports. And the United States did 25.8 million in exports. That's in dollars. So basically Canada is at 85. We're at another, so about a little over 90% of the overall exports globally are North America. Wow. Yeah. So global sales in 2021 overall with all those countries was $555.2 million in maple syrup export. Right. That's a, that is just a, <laughs> that's a lot of stickiness to go around. <laughs> yeah. And the strange thing I found, I don't know if this is interesting to other viewers as much, but the one, what the numbers were, so from 2017 to 21, that that sales increased by 54.1%. So I don't know if with, with the pandemic, if people started buying more real stuff, I don't know what that, what that comes from. I don't understand why it would change huh. that much since it's been around in our lives at our breakfast tables since you know, easily, uh, you know, since I've been a kid and, and, and we, well, since the civil war, uh, since the civil war, when we started creating more metals and containers to hold it. So I don't know. I don't know why it went up so high. I didn't have time to go that I, I had to stop looking. <laughs> People were eating pancakes all the time. Everyone right? was in their PJs because of COVID. That's, you know, that's true. <laughs> they were able to make breakfast again and splurge yeah. a little on syrup. I like that thought. So when do you tap the trees to get the sap? 
So the, the tapping is based on temperature. So Southern Illinois has already done um, in our Dixon Springs um, space down there in the Southern Illinois, they've already tapped trees. Uh, and we won't be tapping up in Northern Illinois till uh, early March. We usually do the first weekend in March is usually a pretty good gauge, a little before, a little after. So it's all about freezing and thawing. So when the daytime temperatures go above 40 degrees, but the night times go below freezing again, that's what's creating the capillary constriction in the grains of the wood to move the sap water up and down. So when you get those night times that are below freezing, but it warms up and during the day, and it you, you tap the warm side of the tree, you physically, it warms up, you know, it's thawing out that side of the tree. The backside's not thawed out when it's, it's just not high enough above freezing. And then when you tap them, you're creating the path of least resistance, right? So when you put a, a tap, um, and we'll talk about that, we can talk about that, but uh, you're, you're creating a hole. So as it's moving up and down, it falls out. Just like, it sounds weird, but like when you, your blood flows through your fingers all the time, but if you cut it, you make an opening, it comes out, right? It's a path of least resistance. Right. <clears throat> oh, I did not know that it was due to, you know, you could get that because of the freezing and everything. Yeah. But I mean, it, when you explained <laughs> it, it makes all, all the sense in the world now. Well, and there's yeah. scientists that have a lot of theories of all the exact, you know, cellular movement and all this stuff, but I found nobody agreed. So it's, you know, sometimes it's just okay to have the magic of nature, right? right. Um, so it's a magical thing and it makes a beautiful, magical, edible gift. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, so to tap maple trees at home, do you need specific tools? Yes and no. What you want to create is a system. You need a way to drill a hole and they say five sixteenths of an inch Again, if you make your own, we call them a spile, the piece that you tap into the hole to make, you know, to hold the hole open and it doesn't hold it open, but it fits in the hole so that you can put a tube on it. Because if you just put a hole in a tree, which kind of um, takes some of the Native American lore out of it, you know, they say, you know, a Native American, you know, gashed a tree and collected the sap water. Well, you can't. Water has tension and it's mostly water. So it runs down the bark. You can't. Unless you're licking the tree, you're not going to collect it unless you put some kind of a traveling tube to get it to come away from the bark right. and down into a bucket. So at home, if you have a drill bit that matches what you want to put in there, if you make your own homemade spile, you can buy them online, plastic ones, and tap them in. They are reusable. You make a hole to match your spile. The hole needs to be about two and a half inches deep because you don't want your spile to go against the back wall of that hole because then there's no path of least resistance. You want it to pool in the hole and then find the opening in your spile, come through the spile down through a tube that you hook onto that so that you can tube it into a water jug. Or I don't like the idea of rinsing out milk jugs unless you're really good at it because there's always to me residual milk smell. But if you have like, mm. um, I like to buy drinking water and drink it. And then those are just had water in them. And then I tie with a piece of jute to the spile with the tube down in down in the the jug and it takes a while it's a drip not a pour <laughs> right but if it's right. 40 degrees or more it's drip 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 on a day where it's just like maybe 38 39 it's like bunk, bunk. it takes a long time 
Wow, that 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 is this is sorry. I'm getting an overload of information right now. It's just blowing my mind. Uh, it's learning really about it's you know fun. getting the the sap from the trees and everything. So, um, how much sap water do you need to make maple syrup? Or so, syrup? yeah, out of the best trees, which are those sugar maples that have the highest concentration, and it's not much. I mean, it's I can't remember what the concentration was. Um, 98% of the sap water in a sugar maple, here's my note, 98% is water. You're trying to capture 2% out of that. It does, I will say, it doesn't taste sweet to me, but it does feel slippery. I don't know if that's a good word. Um, if you just taste it right, you know, right out of the tree. The finished syrup, you're aiming for 67% sugar. So it takes 40 gallons of sap water. Think about it like a gallon jug, 40 of those to make one gallon of syrup. Hence the cost of syrup, right? It is a labor intensive uh, activity. It was first started um, with the civil war and the, um, you know, the industry was born because of the invention of metal spouts and evaporator pans, because it's a, it's concentration through evaporation. You're heating it up mm -hmm. to get the water to steam off. And it was mostly um, dairy farmers that were first doing it. They were on call all the oh. time anyway. So they started tapping trees and selling it as a, a secondary income. And of course, milk, pancakes, syrup, it all kind of yeah. went together. This is own, their own little commercial. But um, yeah, it takes 40 to one. And then it has helped with technology. So technology really cured a lot of the problems. Um, technology, uh, it remained largely the same. But during the energy crisis in 1970, it forced maple producers to change labor intensive processes and they had a surge of breakthroughs with tubing systems and they perfected um, the sugar house, you know, the evaporation. They even did vacuum pumps to um, to the preheaters to try to recycle heat loss and reuse the heat to steam more and then reverse osmosis to get some of that water out of it. They've done a lot of stuff, but not till like the 70s. This isn't an old, you know system but it's still labor intensive no matter yeah. what you do hence it just costs a lot of money well that is just again i i'm on overload because of all of the information that you have given <laughs> there's, there's given so us about more. this yeah <laughs> it's it's just uh, absolutely amazing um so i i guess i have one final question for me is uh you know when you do tap trees and you remove the tap, do you have to do anything to ensure that the tree stays healthy? Well, some people say no, but I, I believe you should take um, a stick and make a plug because it'll, it'll get it. It'll still drip a little, but it'll slow down that path of least resistance. Um, hundred and something years of tapping. Some of these trees they tap in the Northeast are 75 to hundred years old and they're still tapping them. So it doesn't harm the tree to tap them. It still grows. There's still an abundance of sap water for the tree. However, my, they do close in, but it takes the whole next year to close that looks like a belly button. If you right. put a stick in there, that's too, a little too big for the hole, like a wet stick off the ground. Like I like the ones with the bark. So when I tap it in with my mallet, the bark kind of peels toward me, making it sure. real snug. And then I just use the mallet and crack it off Yeah, because I worry about bug infestations. Um, who knows? But I feel like I put the hole there. I need to put some kind of a bandaid on it. Um, so yeah. when we do it, we always, when we take the spiles out, we always put a stick 
in the hole. It'll still weep. You're not going to stop it completely, but it'll heal up quicker around that stick. Great. That's, that's amazing information. That's, that was one of my curiosities. I'm like, okay, well, what, what it, happens? It is, is it okay? It's, it's really fun to do in your backyard. You don't get a large quantity, but if you have kids or you just want to try it, I've had people borrow my spiles from my nature center and, and then bring them back after they tried it. I did it at home with silver maples. I got this great pan of syrup. I figured I'd get like a serving and I put it on my grill. So using my propane and I stirred it outside with the door. You don't want to do this in your kitchen unless you want to take down wallpaper. Cause that's, humidity it's just wet moisture and i did have a a staff member who did that once in her mom's kitchen i'm like ooh, note to self don't do that so i was doing it outside (laughs) and i was looking around it was a nice you know chilly but nice day and i heard this bloop bloop i'm like bloop bloop what is that i'm looking around and i look at my syrup i'm like no there was a cloud in it and i looked up there was a starling on the soffit of my garage and after four hours of boiling down and i wasn't on you And in my mind, I was like, I got to get that out. You can't get that out of there. It's liquid on liquid. It was disheartening. But it was like to this day that bloop, bloop, like, dang you, starling. And it it just dropped it right in there. So don't put it underneath a tree or the soffit of your garage. That's all I got. (laughs) Mental note made. (laughs) uh, Do you have any additional resources uh, for the listeners out there? Yeah, pretty soon uh, should be going up. Uh, well, going to marketing today, and then it'll be up soon. Um, I did one of our everyday environment webinars, the one for January for our natural resource environment and energy team was my maple syruping webinar, which is uh, a long version of what we just talked about with more details. So if you're interested, you can go to go.illinois.edu slash everyday environment recordings one word, everyday environment recordings, and that'll get you to our YouTube page. I don't know the short version of that. So just go.illinois.edu backslash one word, everyday environment recordings, and that'll take you there. And all of our other ones are there and mine will be up hopefully soon. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Peggy, for all of uh, your wisdom today on uh, (laughs) syrup. So yeah, and that concludes this month's edition of Spotlight on Natural Resources. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.